Welcome to the Front Court Female Podcast. I'm your coach, Jillian, and I pick you for my team. You win in the end, so get into the game. Be present with me. Be here with me in this moment. This is my first solo pod of 2021. I learned a pod from my best friend. She's like, yeah, it's the lingo. I'm like, all right, when I run that by myself, I just think of living in a pod asleep, like in the matrix, but sure, pod it is. I am on vacation and I'm currently operating under the belief that I would not have made it without creating some time to slow down. I've touched on how I assigned some unfairness to my role in the pandemic, uh, being that I did not get time to slow down working in healthcare. And now that I'm vaccinated against COVID, I came down to my family place in Fort Lauderdale. So I half grew up here. It's, um, it's a place that I associate with like complete stress-free living and just like total solitude, happiness, and joy. I've never come here to do anything but relax and having that is so fortunate. You know, I try to be someone that deserves this second home of sorts. Given to me by my family before me who really appreciated what it meant to slow down and sit in the sun near a body of water. They relished that and they wanted me to have that. I'm actually really aware of how this is like the first time that I've spoken out loud today, so my voice is kind of (laughs) low. So I've been on a break from podcasting since the 2020 election, and it was for sort of a self-care period where I allowed myself to just be, which is hard to do. I lived a couple months without pressuring myself to put energy toward being creative, so I'm back, and I'm feeling really connected to myself in a way where I can get back into my creativity. So I am someone who is very good at being alone with myself in my own space. I'd argue that I was actually very well equipped for the year 2020. This is a skill that I was not born with, but that I developed. So I usually come here to Florida to be alone. My parents are sometimes here, they're here at this time, but no matter what, I always get a lot of alone time here. Now, I used to be someone who was not able to sit with myself and separate, you know, being alone from being lonely. And I'll get into some anecdotes about that. But since I've come into this place that I'm in now of practicing the art of being with oneself, I often come here to this place to escape when I feel like I'm slipping on that. Like, for, for instance, I came here last time um, because I noticed that I just kept opening apps. Like, I went from email to Instagram over to maybe Snapchat. And then I'd text someone just to text someone. And when I noticed that pattern, I was like, it's time to go to my place to sit with myself and quit that pattern because I am not someone who buys into this need to have the company of others around, to make us feel loved, to make us feel important, you know, worthy and interesting, etc. I do not believe in this really sort of addiction to stimulation from other people to make us feel connected to who we are. Yeah, I'm just not a believer in that. However, I used to be really confused 
Confused is what I would call a person who believes that they need other people to feel whole. I used to feel incomplete while spending time alone. Like I had a sense that something was missing, right? I would, of course, pick up my phone, talk to someone just to get that fix of stimulation. In romantic situations especially, I would I would do things like send texts just to receive validation that someone was interested in me. I would use dating just to keep people around, you know, even if they weren't what I wanted. Those were common patterns of mine that I coded as harmless at the time, but were really contributing to my growing disconnection to self. I remember some toxic relationships where people actually left me here in Florida after I brought them to this sacred place of mine, you know, mistakenly believing that it would show them how worthy of love I am. And when they left, I was like, I cannot be here on vacation alone. And I freaking stayed in. I didn't even go walk around. I didn't even believe like that I could be seen in public alone in a state where I don't even know anyone. And I look back on that version of me with compassion and grace, of course, because she had a rock bottom to go through and I appreciate everything that led her to that. Yeah, and for the record, not everyone needs an extreme rock bottom. Actually, my favorite definition is from my friend Whitney V, who says, a rock bottom is anything that causes you to stop and say, okay, something has to change now. Maybe your rock bottom was this past year, 2020, right? Forcing you into solitude. Maybe you realized how hard it is for you to sit in your own space. And maybe you realized something has to change about that now. <laughs> Legit. So, I mean, prior to my new way of being, instead of sitting in my own space, I would always be living for the next social event or, you know, the next time that I was going to be around people and friends. And like, I'm not, I'm not like an introvert or an extrovert. This isn't about being one of those two categories. It's about separating loneliness from the simple act of sitting with yourself as the whole person that you are. You were born as a whole and complete person, but you learned, you learned to feel incomplete without other people. So really what I did was unlearned that business of codependency on other people to give us fulfillment within ourselves. And I mean, now, you know, after my rebirth is really what it was, I am, I'm no longer confused. I am clear on where my power and my wholeness comes from. And that is obviously now it's like what I live to project into this world that I've created. I live to point out that power comes from within you. And to sort of myth bust on through this lie that it's ever found outside of us or awarded to us by something non-self. So the sort of emptiness and disconnection and really sadness that I used to feel when I was alone no longer exists for me present day. I, I completely stopped relying on human connection to be the source of happiness or connection, you know, to myself in my life. 
And look, before somebody's mad, I acknowledge that obviously socialization and human contact is essential to our happiness. I'm not denying that. I just really don't believe in seeking wholeness or really happiness at all outside of ourselves. I just reject it, you know? So (laughs) I am fucking happy in my own space. I got there a while back and along comes 2020, right? (laughs) A year where we were forced to sit with ourselves. We don't even know why. Maybe someday we'll understand why that had to happen. But for now, all we know is that 2020 was the year that we had no escape from ourselves. All of the illusions, the distractions, the escapes were gone. The bar where we went to escape our sober minds were eliminated. The parties we used as distractions from ourselves were gone. The people that we used to make ourselves feel whole were no longer available to fulfill that role. So what happened? We got uncomfortable. Humans hate, they fucking hate, being in their own space. 2020 forced us to meet new parts of ourselves, right? And sit with them, no distractions, gone. Maybe you met your voids in 2020 for the first time. Um, Vienna Farron, I believe is how you pronounce her name, the therapist, defines a void as a part of ourselves that we do not understand. That is scary to us. It's hard to spend time alone with our voids. Humans hate uncertainty, right? And they certainly fucking hate not understanding a part of themselves. If you're a void could speak to you, what would it say? There's no wrong answer to this, and I invite you to answer that for yourself when you're in your own space, but I discovered mine would simply say, I'm not real. You're imagining me. What you're looking for is already within you. So this moment with yourself, you know, the time alone with you, where you sit in stillness and discover your void, this is not an obstacle. This is you simply coming home to yourself. Like, this is the work. It's surrender. A Zen teacher, um, I think maybe Ram Das, um, said, the stillness is you. The essence of who you are is inside of the stillness. When you stop and take off the mask you had on for the day or for the year or for the promotion that gave you your sense of worth or the nice looking man standing beside you in your Instagram pictures that makes you think you're worthy. How about the party dress that fits you just right? The jokes you crack when you're drunk on the company tab at an office party? Those things creating this temporary sense of worth. None of that is you. The stillness is you. Who are you? Without the busyness of life, the parties to dress up and look amazing for, the office to go to, or the people to gather around. Rejoin yourself, said 2020. Come home to you. What an invitation, right? This is the work. The work can certainly be painful. It's painful to face a void we've never faced before, to face a version of us that we've been keeping hidden, to face the facts of why can't I be alone in my own space without feeling sad? Like I'm not denying it's, it's a painful existence sometimes to do the work, 
But on the other side is home. Home is where you get when you're not looking for other people to validate your worth. What a beautiful time to be alive 2020 was. What a hard and beautiful thing it forced us to create. It's stillness. So 2020 technically ended, but I invite you to continue seeking stillness. I invite you to connect it back to you by turning to the silence, where your worth is, where it all is. The silence is where it all is. And look, I'm just as easily distracted as you are. I can go down it like an Instagram hole. I can, I can read LeBron stats for hours on end. I can watch the news, but I can't change the news. So why focus on it? My expansion, personally, into this space of being happy alone never needed to be validated by someone else. My doing it alone was the validation necessary. No one ever has to validate what you want to focus on. And it's so easy to get lost in validation. It's sort of like when you got fit and your body looks better or, you know, you learned more and became smarter and people are impressed by that stuff. But you don't need approval. You approve of yourself. Take your worth into your own hands. 2020 literally begged us to take back our worth, to focus on what we can actually control and start choosing better about where we spend our energy. I mean, we didn't even know it, but we were all depleted before. And it took that to realize it. I mean, what a gift. So something else actually happens when you become happy in your own headspace. Your relationships improve drastically. This is a fun fact. So someone who is never focused on the past always navigates conflict in a healthy way. So, I mean, presence with self is the key to your external world having order. So this is win-win, not, this is not like a lesson in isolation, okay? And we can't, we can't shame past versions of ourselves for choosing how we chose. We felt disconnected from truth in that version of us. We couldn't sit with ourselves yet, and, and maybe that's why we got forced by 2020, to learn how to do so, so that we could improve our relationships for the rest of our damn lives, all from this one year of gaining the key skill of solitude. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not going to deny, like, my aloneness, it was something I crafted. It was something I worked on. It was like doing a rep at the gym. You know, I, I learned it. I worked on it. But let me get into something that helped me, you know, in gaining the ability to sit in my own space. So the concept of self inquiry. Huge. I mean, I could argue that like everything you need is found in this one tool, self-inquiry. Why do I feel sad without someone around me? Why do I feel the need to go into my phone while I'm alone at home or while I'm in the Starbucks line, while I'm going to bed? Why do I respond the way I do to aloneness? Maybe you're familiar with the work of Byron Katie. Maybe you're not. Um, I mean, her story is like, I mean, it's wild. She came out of depression in a halfway house, like suddenly enlightened. (laughs) And look, I'm not saying like it's going to be like poof like that for all of us. But (sighs) upon her realization that there is no self and there is no other, she decided, you know, that she owns everything. So she went out onto walks and she would walk into other people's houses because to her, she owned them. And she was like baffled by them telling her that she didn't. (laughs) Can you just like imagine how your life would look if you believed you owned everything? 
And I want to I want to take a part of that belief. Well, obviously adapting to the fact that there's like rules in society, just like there's rules in our game. Right. And a lot of her work, it does go along with what I say here on the front court female about how we create our own world. We project our world and using my metaphor, you know, of us projecting our own courts where we create all the moves in a game that plays out and we call it our waking lives. Right. If it's our game for the creating, why would we need anyone there with us in order to create? Anyway, um, Byron Katie, okay, after her awakening, she discovered the source of all the suffering in the world is your own thoughts. Just think about that for a second. All suffering in all its forms comes from the mind of you. She woke up and she saw that she only ever suffered because she was believing her own thoughts. And born of that was her system of inquiry that she simply calls the work. And I use the work when I'm alone. So the work is a few questions that you ask yourself when a thought that comes up causes you suffering or stress. So number one, is it true? So the ego will usually cause us to answer this like, well, yeah, it's true. I'm thinking it. Hello. So number two goes on to be, can you absolutely know that it's true? So now we start to go into some deep shit because we question our reality and the validness of that thought. We go to a new place. So inevitably to this question, we have to answer no because there's no thought that we can absolutely know is true. Now, this next question becomes, how do you react when you believe that thought? So for me at this question, I usually identify a part of my body that is tense, you know, from believing this stressful thought. I'm like, okay, you know, my neck is sore, my shoulders are up. Number four is who would you be without the thought? And from here, we go on to either become the person we want to be without that thought, or we turn the thought around in a number of ways that eliminates the delusion of the thought, and then we become free of it. It's really that simple. I mean, to her, enlightenment is that simple. According to this work, no stressful thought can withstand inquiry. Once we deeply question a thought, it loses its power to make us suffer, and it eventually ceases to even exist. So yeah, I mean, I would encourage you to read her work for the examples of how she performed the work on people, but in my everyday life, I find that through the system of massive inquiry, I can eliminate the suffering attached to my thoughts so that when they come up again, I'm ready to meet them with a new understanding. Like I casually did the work on the plane ride here. I, I have control issues on flights, despite that I've been flying since I was zero. I don't know. The older I get, the more I feel this lack of control. And I wish that I were the one flying the airplane. Like when we hit turbulence, I get jumpy, not because I think the plane will go down. I know the science, like I know that it's suspended. But I'm all like, well, I want to be the one flying it. I want to be the one pushing the fly button. That's obviously how you fly a plane, right? <laughs> And when I questioned who I would be without these thoughts, and I realized I'd be someone chilling out by myself enjoying a damn flight, I became that. Like, there went years of flying anxiety down the drain in one moment, all from simple inquiry. Do not underestimate the power of self-inquiry. Yeah, like, try it with me now. Why would the act of being alone 
becomes something that you associate with being lonely. So whatever comes up for you for that answer, can you absolutely know that it is true? How do you react when you think about being alone with your stillness for an extended period of time? Like what is your reflex when you sit still for a minute? Is it to turn on the TV or to reach for your phone? Why? Do you feel discomfort in your body when just sitting in silence? Do your shoulders tense up? So who would you be without that thought that being alone equals lonely? Who would you be if you were a person who detached from the need to be stimulated, validated, and assigned worth by others and could just sit with self? No phone? No Instagram scrolling? No Netflix? Who could you be with just your thoughts alone? When the ones that cause you suffering come up, can you question them until the suffering is replaced by understanding? And this is how we shift. I remember once I was visiting Chicago where I live now and I could not be present. I was checking my phone incessantly to see if this guy who lived there would ask me to hang out. And he literally was like, oh, you're in the city? Enjoy your trip, <laughs> right? Ouch. And there I was in the city of my dreams, the place that I wanted to eventually live. And I couldn't be with myself. I kept checking my phone. My thoughts of why doesn't he want to hang out with me while I'm here caused me suffering. Why doesn't he want to hang out with you? Turns around to why don't you want to hang out with you? Wow, right? Mm. And nowadays, present day, if I don't want you in my head, you are not coming in. I do not allow it. But back then, I was so disconnected from self looking for the company of this guy to validate something that I was making true. That his company meant something about me that I couldn't give to myself. I mean, I was self-abandoning. I give that validation to myself now. So the next time you're waiting for a text back, give it a try, try inquiry. What is this really about? Because look, I will tell you right now, it is never about the text. What are you actually waiting for? Are you waiting for yourself to meet you where you are? Why are you waiting instead of texting yourself? <laughs> Can you text yourself? In summary, not <laughs> so formal. You can't feel alone unless you believe your thoughts that being alone means something. You're making it mean something, that your own company is not enough. Genuinely enjoying your own company is something that starts and ends with you. Working on yourself takes actual work, right? I've said it. Master this. Watch your peace of mind and energy change once you are truly able to be taking up your own space. And then watch your eternal relationships flourish as a byproduct. Listen to what comes up. The stillness is you. Listen to what comes up for you at night, when you first wake up, when your shoulders feel tense. Why do my shoulders feel tense? What is coming up for me? Sit through the discomfort, because it will be. Do it anyway. Sit there and meet the voids and the new parts of you with grace and understanding and acceptance. And there you are, home. 
I am going to leave you with my all-time favorite quote. It's from Warsan Shire. God, my alone feels so good. I'll only have you if you are sweeter than my solitude. Enjoy yourself tonight.